award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching and listening. we got a fun show for you today, and I'm excited to be in our Region 3 office in Crossville, Tennessee with Miss Mimi Barnes and Travis Scott. It's going to be a fun show. We're talking all about trout. A lot of trout. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of trout, it's winter trout season right now. You can catch some trout, take them home, and enjoy them. Uh, a lot of stocking locations can be found on our website uh, at tmwildlife.org. Tell us a little bit about that real quick, uh, Travis, while we're on it. That's what gave us the idea for this this episode is we were tossing around ideas and it happens to be winter trout stocking season and we've got uh, trucks running all over the state delivering these fish and a lot of those fish originate from our federal partners, either the Dale Hollow National Fish Hatchery or Irwin National Fish Hatchery. And yeah. So we thought that might be a good topic to discuss is where all these fish come from and how we make that happen. Yep. 22 locations. 22 yes. locations. Yes. Wow. In every region across the state. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So that's going on right now. Check the website, tmwildlife.org. There's a lady there in the block. You can click on it. It says uh, winter trout stockings and get that schedule. And uh, remember to pick up your license. Go outdoorstennessee.com to do that so you're prepared to go. Also, uh, don't forget uh, shop.goutdoorstennessee.com for all the latest gear that we've got out there. Uh, TWRA merch, if you're interested. we got hats, cups, buffs, things like that. So those are always fun. And uh, we don't want to forget about our radio stations. We appreciate our radio stations out there helping us get the word out uh like we've talked about in the past 22 or three or four different stations out there uh, the list is growing but a uh, special shout out to uh, our stonecom partners there in cookville we're pretty close to cookville today uh wuct power 94 so 94.1 so we appreciate them and uh, it's always uh uh, great to to hear not let me not hear me but hear our folks that work for us out on the radio and and getting the word out so that's fun uh mimi our regional outreach and communications coordinator thank you for having us always happy to be on it's always fun always a fun show good to see you yeah welcome back to the region we have great folks here yeah we do we do it's always fun to come here and travis we didn't mention it but he's our rivers and streams uh manager here in the region and uh We'll just kick off with that. Uh, Travis, tell us about yourself and what you do for the agency. Um, I'm sure that title encompasses a lot of things. and <laughs> There's quite, quite a few things, yes. Uh, I supervise work at the Teleco Hatchery. Uh, in addition, uh, the management of cold water rivers and streams and warm water rivers and streams here in the region. And then we do a lot of work on some of our small impoundments at um, like state park lakes uh, uh, and some of our community lakes where, where we do some active management there to improve fisheries. And Travis hasn't only just worked for TWRA. Tell us a little bit about your background too, Travis. It's impressive. <laughs> I uh, started my career in Alaska at a salmon hatchery after graduating college. I worked there for a couple of years and then spent some time with an uh, environmental contractor. Uh, had some contracts with some uh, power uh, companies in the southeast where we did uh, river and stream surveys for companies like Duke Power and uh, TVA looking at uh, uh, fishes there and then from there got hired on with uh, TWRA as a technician and spent a little time as a technician some time as an officer and then I've managed a couple of trout hatcheries. And <laughs> <laughs> How many years with the agency? Yeah. Uh, 23 now. 
Awesome. doesn't look a day over 16. (laughs) (laughs) Young man, uh, we appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate all the work you've done. I think that's that's cool stories to be out in Alaska, too. I mean, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I bet that was was a a great experience. And uh, what I learned there has helped me a lot with with some of the work I've done here in Tennessee. Yeah, Yeah, that's why I mentioned it. You know, there's so much background for each of our employees. They bring so much to the table that um, helps our anglers across the state. Um, So Mm -hmm. appreciate you, Travis. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Well, like we said, today's all about trout. We're going to cover all kinds of different species, and and uh, uh, we we got us a, a board behind us. The common fish, Tennessee, the trout are the top four up there. How convenient! <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, go ahead. It is. Um it's so detailed and there's so much science in it that we're going to dive deep today here mm-hmm. with Travis because he's chock full of information. And I want to kick it off, um, Travis, by t- uh, talking a little bit about a multi-agency agreement signed between TWRA and other regions here recently. Will you tell us about that? That's going to that's gonna give us a lot of background. Right. Um, this was this was back in October where, where the agreement was, was re-signed, um, and it's an agreement between TVA, TWRA, the state of Georgia, and um, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and it, it provides funding to operate uh, three um, uh, federal hatcheries. Two of those are in Tennessee, Dale Hollow National Fish Hatchery and Irwin National Fish Hatchery, and, and both of those entities provide a large number of fish for the state, and we'll talk about that later, just how impressive that is. Um, but that agreement keeps those facilities uh, functioning. There's a similar agreement with the Corps of, Engineer, uh, Corps of Engineers to provide funding, and that's uh, where most of these fish are going. They're going into water bodies managed by TVA and the Army Corps of Engineers. Well, I, I remember that we got to be there uh, for the, the for ceremonial release there back in October. That was fun, and right. uh, we uh, had uh, Frank on. We talked about uh, what that day was all about, and it was it was fun to be there and, and experience that. Right, yeah. great that they're repartner, you know, bringing that partnership back and not letting it go. Yeah, right. That that originated in in 2013 when there was a change in the federal funding, and, and some of those facilities were looking at the possibility of closure. And so, uh, at the time, uh, Senator Lamar Alexander stepped in and worked out and brokered a deal uh, for that original agreement, and then they've continued it ever since. And I think this latest iteration. Uh, keeps them funded through 2024. So many more years of, of uh, trout for Tennessee residents. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's such a great program. Um, Travis, tell, tell us why did these federal hatcheries come about? How did they, how did they come into existence? Right. A lot, a lot of those fish go into areas below dams or above dams. Uh, all the dams that were created in Tennessee created... Um, environments that weren't historically here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You end up with a large reservoir, you end up with pockets of cold water in the in the depths of that reservoir, and when they release it through the dams, it's colder than they would, would typically exist naturally here in the state. And our native species didn't respond as well to those colder waters, but trout are a cold water species, and they do well in colder waters. And so that's that's why those facilities came about, is to to mitigate for the loss of our native fisheries by providing these new uh, trout fisheries that can withstand those new water quality conditions. And it's created a variety of conditions across the state depending on those reservoirs and their locations. And we um, we didn't have this down to ask you, but um, some of these trout stockings that we're doing right now, they're done at a specific time of year 
because of water temperatures. Can you talk mm. a little bit about that? Right, right. Um, you know, we we have a variety of trout stocking programs uh, around the state, and and it's going to be dependent upon uh, water quality because trout are more sensitive to warmer waters. They don't like temperatures above seventy degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, they got to have a high DO, dissolved oxygen levels in the water. Okay. As the water temperature warms up, those DO levels drop, and so uh, we're looking for that. We're also looking for. Uh, access for our anglers we want them to be able to get to these fish sure. so we've got to put them in places where uh there's good access for the angling public but we're also looking at things like can these fish hold over is there possibility of spawning uh we look at a variety of things to try to create the best fishery possible in those different environments and it and it varies from water body to water body depending on those those situations um we we have some unique challenges here with some of our tailwater, what we call tailwater fisheries. A tailwater fishery would be a, uh, an area below a dam where they're releasing cold water from the, the depths. And we also have some reservoir fisheries. Some of these reservoirs um, will stratify. And so you'll have uh, water, like here locally, Parksville Reservoir, we stock some trout in there. Okay. And in the summer, the surface water is too warm for those trout. But we've done some water quality surveys. And you get down to that 45, 50-foot depth. Depth, you have a band of water, say five, eight feet wide down at that depth that is cold enough for those trout to survive and still has oxygen. Often what happens when you go deeper, it gets colder, but we lose the oxygen. All wow. of the non-oxygenated water will sink to the bottom. Um, and so there's this band in a lot of these reservoirs where trout can survive that other species aren't utilizing. Can people chase trout? That time of year and those those deep, deeper depths, can they fish that and catch fish? Certainly, certainly. That's that's we're going to talk about some lake trout later on, and that's that's the way a lot of people target those lake trout is trolling on these reservoirs at deeper depths in the summer. Yeah, um, and they can pick those up on on their graphs or even just put down riggers and drop to the depth that they think that water temperature is going to be acceptable and troll those lures around and catch those trout. Mm. Certainly. That, I mean, one more question on that: Does that affect the health of the fish if somebody catches one that deep and brings it up to the warmer temperatures should they, should they keep it or you know and, and there's limits and restrictions on that certainly certainly there's going to be um size limits right. of course i don't know if there'll be size limits on lake trout i'll have to look that's region hey, that's four good, good reason to put a <laughs> we've good got reason to check your uh, fishing game <laughs> We've got two lake trout fisheries, and they're both in Region 4, Northeast Tennessee. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there, there could be some issues because you're if you're bringing them from those depths in the summer, those surface water temps could be too warm for them to make it back down mm -hmm. uh, to depth. So it certainly wouldn't be an issue to harvest those fish and, yeah. and and a lot of these places we do stock we encourage people to harvest they're they're oftentimes they're they may not necessarily survive because at some point during the year more than likely um we're going to have water quality conditions that aren't conducive to trout survival so it doesn't harm to, to harvest some of those fish and in places where there could be an impact generally we're going to have some type of special regulation mm -hmm. uh we'll have a slot limit if we're seeing that fish can hold over from one year to the next and reach quality size we'll protect them so that they can do that awesome and then anglers have a better opportunity the following year exactly yeah. that's exactly and told it, you, it, chock full of information <laughs> he is for sure <laughs> that's good stuff <laughs> yeah 
Um, so tell us a little bit, let's go back to the two national um, hatcheries that we have in Tennessee. Tell us, I know you have great information on them. Tell us about Dale Hollow and Irwin National Hatcheries. Certainly. Um, I'm going to start with Irwin National Fish Hatchery. It's uh, located in northeast Tennessee in a town called Irwin, and it's in, in the mountains uh, close to the North Carolina border. Um, it was established in 1894, so obviously wow. that's before dam construction, but this is not long after uh, the rainbow trout, and that's their main um, um, job there is producing rainbow trout eggs that they ship to hatcheries all over the country, and they started doing that in 1894, but mm. rainbow trout were native to western North America, so they weren't native to, to the eastern part of the U.S., but as we are we moved west and discovered these trout. I think it was decided we would like to have some rainbow trout here. So, <laughs> so that facility was created there. And the reason they chose there, uh, there's a large spring. It produces over a thousand gallons a minute of 55 wow. degree water year round. That's and cool. Yeah, yeah. And so, it's a, a great place to raise trout in Tennessee. Um, you know, the only trout native to Tennessee are brook trout, and they would have been in headwater streams, small streams in the mountains at higher elevations, usually above 2,500 feet. And, and they typically don't get very large. And so um, these rainbow trout, we can, we'll get to generally larger sizes and are, are easy to raise in a hatchery environment. And so Irwin uh, maintains uh, at least three strains of rainbow trout there that spawn at different times of the year. Um, they they start spawning I think in August and it continues all the way through into March time frame where they're spawning different strains of fish to produce eggs. They'll keep the, those eggs there at the facility for a couple of weeks until they reach what's called eye up stage and that's where you can actually see the eye in the egg. Okay. At that point, those eggs are pretty resilient and they're capable to ship them. Prior to that, they're very fragile and any mm. handling will potentially kill them. So well. once they re reach eye up. They can be packaged in containers without water. Uh, generally, they're placed in a, a moist cloth and wrapped. There'll be some ice in that cooler box to ship all over the country. Um, Are they seeing this? Eye up? and So they're seeing all this go on. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. They have... Uh, <laughs> Taking me out of the water. No. <laughs> when they spawn the fish, of course, they've got to mix the eggs from the female with the milt from the males. Yeah. Uh, and that, that causes fertilization. You'll have fertilization. Those eggs then go into clear incubator jars. And so there'll be water flow going through those jars, kind of slowly bubbling through. You want to keep those eggs kind of in a slow movement, yeah. slow rolling, they call it, inside those jars and they'll monitor them and they'll be able to see when they reach that eye up stage and then they could package them and send it to wherever they have requests awesome wow that's crazy that's it cool. is <laughs> and uh, uh, you may have this on your list to talk about later but we talked uh, before we started you were mentioning the economic impact of some of these hatcheries what's Irwin? Irwin sure. really impacts that community huh it it does it does not only that community but really communities all over the well, state that's true, yeah. or all over the country because um Eggs produced there could be shipped to California, Montana, the same eggs that we receive. And, and that's where um, uh, Dale Hollow gets a number of their eggs from that federal hatchery system and, and Irwin specifically. Okay. Our Buffalo Springs State Hatchery gets a lot of their eggs from Irwin. Okay. And that starts the process. And, of course, Buffalo Springs uh, raises fingerling fish to send to Irwin State Hatchery. So they're, all of our hatcheries are, are – 
fairly well connected to this federal hatchery system and that's what we wanted to focus on today is just how important that partnership is with these federal facilities and this agreement to keep all of this functioning. Yeah, I keep saying it doesn't seem like we'd have trout anglers in Tennessee without these two hatcheries. They're an important part of it. They, they, <laughs> they together, um, over half the trout stocked in the state um, come from, from Dale Hollow, but the eggs have impacts even further than wow. that because uh, of, of our other state hatcheries utilizing those egg resources from Irwin. So you, you've told us about Irwin, and by the way, that, that year-round 55-degree water, that's pretty amazing. It is. <laughs> I it hope is. it keeps going. Um, yeah. um, tell us about Dale Hollow National Fish Hatchery. Dale Hollow is a little newer. It was established in 1965 as a hatchery facility. It's below Dale Hollow Dam on the Obie River, uh, and cold water from the depths of Dale Hollow is sent through the facility to raise trout. Um, and they, they, um, they raise rainbow trout, brook trout, brown trout, lake trout, and now this year, it's the first year we stocked them. They've had them there longer than this, but uh, cutthroat trout. And so, cool. so they get eggs from the federal hatchery system from all over the country, so a lot of them from Irwin, and they, they get them as they're eyed. They're shipped to Dell Hollow, and they'll put them uh, in their hatching um, battery inside the, the hatch, hatchery facility, uh -huh. and those eggs hatch, and then they have... Uh, I forget what it was. I had some notes. There's uh, like 8,800 feet of eight-foot-wide raceways, and they've got 1,000 feet of four-foot-wide raceways. And so tell, tell everybody what a raceway is if they're not familiar. Yeah. Sure, Drag sure. Strip. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. They're, they're concrete, concrete troughs, essentially. They'll be generally, the water level will be around two and a half feet deep. Uh, they'll, they're usually um, uh, serial raceways where one flows into the next. So it's going to be a concrete trough, eight foot wide, uh, total about four feet deep. The water level will be in that two and a half to three, and it flows down the length of their facility. They'll probably have eight or ten of these raceways in a row flowing from one to the next down through there. And So that water, it's a serial reuse. That water is used over and over uh, as it passes through the facility and then out at the end. And um, it, the determinist would be at the end of the hatchery, that water goes through a settling pond and then down what they call Hatchery Creek into the Obie River. Wow. Okay. Um, and, and Dale Hollow stocks that Hatchery Creek as well. There's a there's, uh, campground there it's a core facility and there's a campground very popular very popular <laughs> uh, and so they make sure to put some fish in that creek as well as long as well as the tailwater there below the dam they'll stock hmm. awesome i think i've heard a lot of great things about that camping mm -hmm. area there it's, it's a popular area oh yeah hard to get on the list there <laughs> it is. Um, so you mentioned cutthroat um so go back to that uh that production that takes place right um TWRA raised and stocked cutthroat. It's probably been 60 years since we did any of that. It was in the 50s or 60s uh, where there was a lot of experimentation with different things. At one time, we stocked some salmon in the state. And so there's been different experiments over the years to see what would work and wouldn't work. The cutthroat at the time didn't fare very well. Uh, we do have a state record cutthroat trout, which is currently at six ounces. Oh. <laughs> it's not very big. Whopping um, six ounces. 
<laughs> but those fish didn't persist in any of our systems. Uh, we had the opportunity to get some surplus fish uh, to stock a few years ago from a bordering state. Um, and then that brought about this discussion. Do we want to do that? And so instead of taking those fish, uh, we began this discussion. Would we like to stock cutthroat again, try it again in different locations? Uh, we had conversations with Dale Hollow to see if they would be capable to help us with that. Um, of course, you've got to find a source for the eggs in the federal system. Mm -hmm. And then Dale Hollow was willing to work with us. And so we had meetings to see if that's what we wanted to do, talked about the places we would like to use those, potential impacts of, of stocking these fish. Because at the end of the day, uh, the rainbow trout, the brown trout we stock, even the brook trout, they're a different strain than what we find here native. Lake trout, none of those species are native to the state, and neither are cutthroat. And so this would be an addition to that. But we want to have those discussions and make sure we, as an agency, feel like we're doing the right thing for our anglers and for the resource. Right. And, and so it was decided that, sure, we could try it. Dale Hollow was willing to work with us on that. And so you've got to start that process then of where do those eggs come from. Obviously, it's going to be a brood facility so there's a place another hatchery across mm. the country that has brood fish on site and can produce the number of eggs that Dale Hollow is requesting they get those odd eggs they hatch them they grow them it's a long process it's going to take a year and a half to two years to get that egg from hatch up to the size you want to stock and even um, with the cutthroats what we ran into is uh, the production wasn't exactly what we hoped. We didn't get the growth we wanted. So we ran into a situation where Dale Hollow needed the space in their raceways. Uh, we didn't feel like the fish were ready to go yet, not quite as big as we were hoping. So we shipped those fish to Flintwell Hatchery. Okay. And they held them for several more months and were able to get some more size on them. Uh, Dale Hollow has some limitations because of their water temp. It stays colder uh, than a lot of our other facilities. Most of our state facilities are spring-fed hatcheries, and you have that constant water temp we were talking about at Irwin. And, and that mid-50, mid to upper 50s is an ideal temperature to get growth on trout. You can, right. fed properly, you can get an inch of growth a month easily. Dale Hollow sees temperatures in the upper 40s, maybe low 50s. And so their growth rate is much, much slower there because of those water temps. Yeah. And so Flintwell was willing and had the space and, and held those fish a little bit longer, and then we've been able to put them we ended up with the number of fish that we settled on three um, uh, tailwaters. We ended up with Boone Tailwater, the Hiawassee River, which is a tailwater for the Appalachian uh, powerhouse. Uh, it's on the Hiawassee River. And then um, Tim's Fort Tailwater. Okay. Um, as of today, mid-January, Boone and Hiawassee have been stocked. Tim's Ford has not been stocked yet. They're still holding those fish at Flintville. Tell us about the size of those fish. Should right. we see a new record? Yeah. Can I go catch one today? <laughs> I, I was there, and I watched the Flintville Hatchery staff uh, put the state record, multiple state records, <laughs> into the Hiawassee River. That's exciting. So, yeah, it really was. It really was. Um, Everybody's going to be going out there now. <laughs> I, I tried to uh, hook up my own state record and toss it in on the reel so I could, but, you know, we didn't do that. Um, um, we don't want to, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but no, they averaged around 
10 inches, they're going to be in, and, and there were fish up to a pound I saw go in. So uh, certainly there's a state record there. Uh, I've been talking to anglers on the Hiawassee, which is one of the rivers I manage, and I have some contacts there, and they've been catching the fish regularly. Just a few contacts. <laughs> <laughs> but we... <laughs> We weren't trying to be mean. We really thought it would be a unique, it's such a unique fishery. Those fish were all stocked in the delayed harvest section of the Hiawassee River. So currently, uh, if you were to catch one, it wouldn't be legal to harvest and take that through that state record process. Uh, so I'm waiting for March 1st when it's yeah. no longer delayed harvest. Gotcha. And I expect my phone to be ringing off the hook with everyone holding the new state record. Yeah. So get ready, March 1st. So that, that list will just keep going. Um, there's a, a few things that I want to mention that Travis um, shared with me this morning. So this is from Dale Hollow National Fish Hatchery. They did some studies through the years to see what their impact is. And the total economic in, uh, output for trout production at Dale Hollow is $78.8 million every year. And that economic return is 88.76, so $88.76. Um, Cents for every tax dollar spent at that hatchery. Wow. Uh, I think that's important to know that we try so hard to be frugal um, and respectful with the monies of the state mm -hmm. and, uh, and support, uh, you know, our hunters and anglers out there through being frugal. So, uh, so does the national hatcheries. Irwin, the resulting economic impact was well over 3,000 jobs and a total economic output of nearly $300 million. Wow. So there's yeah. some great numbers, great people working to ensure that we're respectful with money. Great science goes into it to ensure that we're putting fish in locations where they're going to be successful mm -hmm. and therefore our anglers uh, have a good successful um uh, yeah yeah um there's one other thing i want to make sure you mentioned and that's um how many trout are provided annually from dale hollow right over a million trout are stocked from dale hollow into tennessee waters uh, and it's going to be somewhere in the 250,000 pounds of trout uh, and it varies in size most of their fish are in that nine to ten inch range but there are some waters where we see some fish grow and so we'll stock fingerlings because they're less expensive to produce the fingerlings but we can still get some growth out of those in uh, the natural environment and it's, it saves money in the long run but we're still able to produce larger fish for fisheries where we may not be able to get that growth but over a million fish well over half of the trout stocked in tennessee come from from dale hollow that's amazing so thanks dale hollow yeah. thanks yes. Irwin. Yes, <laughs> we appreciate sure. you um and then one last thing before we wind up our time oh go ahead if i could mention Irwin too yeah since they're a uh, egg producing facility they've got to have large fish to produce those eggs to mm. spawn but they like to change the genetics and so every three years, four years, they're getting rid of their old brood fish because they've been raising new brood fish. And so in an agreement with them, we've been able to stock these nice, large, two and a half, three pound brood fish Very in cool. waters all over the state as wow. well. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. That's There's fun. so much going on. <laughs> yes, there is. What, what did you want to add real fast? Anything? Well, we'll get to it in another show. How about we do another one with Travis and we'll cover... We'll cover trout for two weeks on Wildcat. I think How's that's that fantastic. I think it's the time of I year. I think you, we got plenty of more things we could talk about. Our lists are growing here, so let's let's do that. I also want to say. How about we do some shows at Irwin and Del Hollow? So let's uh, let's get that on the calendar. 
Certainly. Uh, that would be cool to see those facilities and see that where those that water comes from and then different oh. things like that. I mean, that would yeah. be awesome. Uh, and real quick, can people visit Dale Hollow and Irwin? Yes, yes. They both have uh, uh, visitor facilities there and uh, are well kept. And, and they each have their respective websites to get more information about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, do That's that. Important. Make sure you check the COVID restrictions just in case Certainly. they're not letting people come by. But, yeah, that would be cool to go visit and check those out. Yeah, Dale Hollow usually has some fish inside even that they use to teach with at uh, the big tanks when yes. you walk in. It's a pretty cool facility. Awesome. Well, Travis, I appreciate it. A lot of good information. We're going to keep going. We're going to do another show. And uh, Mimi, thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you. A lot you of fun. Us. Great information. All right. This is Tennessee Wildcast. Remember, visit tnwildlife.org uh, for everything Tennessee wildlife. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.